Okay, right, let's launch into this um, uh, next um, installment of Ordinary People, Extraordinary God. We've been looking at um, how God has used people throughout the pages of Scripture that um, might be unlikely to be used. Uh, And in fact, we've looked at how God uses those often in their weakness to reveal his strength. We say, why would God use me? But the pages of scripture tell us, why not? Why not me? Okay, a little hint already of what God wants to say to us. And all of those Bible heroes, the unsung ones, the ones that we know all about, that we've heard all about in Sunday school, they're ordinary people serving an extraordinary God. God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and the weak things to shame the strong. Now, a very quick um, a little insight into who I'm going to be speaking about this morning. There are some lyrics on the screen. If you know the song, I'm sorry if anybody feels this is terribly irre- irreverent, but we're going to do this anyway. There can be miracles when you believe. Though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. <laughs> Who knows what miracles you can achieve when you believe somehow you will. You will when you believe. Okay, I reckon we got about 50% of the people in on that. Who knows who today's character might be that we are talking about? The big clue is this. That was a song from a movie. Moses. Well done. Moses is today's character that we're going to be talking about. And much like Abraham, there is so much we could say. There are so many stories we could focus on. But we're just going to focus on a few aspects and a few things from the life of Moses, some kind of overview, uh, and help us to understand how we can learn from his life and apply it in our day and age and be those people who God wants us to be. Yeah? Are, we on the, are, we, are you with me this morning? Great, both of you are. (laughs) Okay, let's begin in Hebrews chapter 11 um, and and see what it says in the New Testament. And uh, this letter is being written to the Hebrew people, the people who have come from that culture that Moses uh, was so fundamental to. Uh, And and there's this list of heroes of faith, and and the author is talking about how they applied that faith in their lives and how uh, God used them in that way. We're going to read these words together. If you can see them clearly enough, if you don't want to or you can't see, that's no problem whatsoever. But if you want to read along with me, then please do now. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Lord God, in all the complexities of These stories and the stories of Moses, would you help us to find out what it is as individuals that you would want to say to us today and to apply it? Amen. 
So Moses is listed here in Hebrews as one of the examples and heroes of faith for the people of God. Uh, And as we look at some of the examples from Moses' life, we'll see that he made good decisions and he made bad decisions. And I think all of us can relate to at least that bit of Moses' life. We've all made some good choices, but I think probably, if we're honest with ourselves, when we look in the mirror, we recognize that we've also all made some bad choices, yes? But overall, Moses' story is marked by this. He believed God, he loved God's presence, and he usually lived by God's word and instruction. Moses is the central Old Testament figure in the redemption of Israel, in the establishment of their law, and he's accredited as being the documenter of much of their history. In Deuteronomy 34, it says this about him. Since then, he's talking about Moses, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. What a statement. What a thing to be said about this man who had uh, been so key in delivering Israel from Egypt. And we'll find out more about that. Uh, But what an amazing sort of legacy. What what, What a thing to be said about him many years later. And Moses did perform mighty miracles in the sight of Israel. But for me, the most remarkable thing in that statement about him, and possibly the reason why uh, he was able to uh, perform so many miraculous, be part of so many miraculous stories with God, is because of the way that he knew the Lord. It says that. In that passage, and in the Hebrews one, it said he, 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 he knew the invisible God. And in this passage, it says he knew him face to face. And that is our desire as the people of God, to get to know God face to face, to get to know him more fully and, and, and with unveiled faces, to be able to behold the glory of God. That's my desire. Don't always... Pursue it as I should. But that should be our desire as the people of God. Yeah, to know God more fully, to see him more clearly. We can see from the beginning of Moses' life that God had a special plan for him. We've already looked at Miriam during this series, and that story of Miriam uh, enables us to to get a little insight into the beginning of um, Moses' journey. But just to repeat a little bit of that story. A man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months because the Egyptians were seeking to kill all the children, the the newborn boys of Israel. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. We know how that story goes, but we're skipping to the bit here where it says, When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses. Moses, placed in the, in the, in the, in the basket, in the, in the Nile, 
and was found by Pharaoh's daughter and rescued. God was at work in what looked like a very strange and difficult situation. And as we talked about Miriam a number of weeks ago, we can see in this and the life of Moses right at the beginning, God is usually at work in our situations in ways that we don't see or realize. So whatever it is that you're dealing with today, uh, whether you feel like you're floating down a river, not knowing where you're going, not knowing what happens next, I want you to understand that God, behind the scenes, God is working. He's fulfilling his plan and his purpose on the earth, and that includes for your life. All things working together for the good of those who love him. God is at work behind the scenes, behind the stage of your life. And he will always be working for your best and for your good. God has a plan and a purpose for you. He had a plan and a purpose for Moses. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. So let's hone in on possibly the most well-known failure or difficult story from Moses' life. One of the ones that we don't necessarily like to read about, a hero of the faith. Moses was a murderer. It says this in Exodus chapter 3. And Moses, having grown up in the house of Pharaoh, had, had come to understand and realize his heritage. He, he identified with the Hebrew people. And then one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and he watched them at their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. But the next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. Moses made an epically wrong choice. The way to deal with that situation was not to take it into his own hands, was not to uh, exact that, what he felt was justice in that way. And here we see Moses' misdirected passion for his people beginning to be expressed. So the passion for the people of God was right, but the way that he directed that passion was wrong. And sometimes we can do the wrong things for the right reasons. But we need to make sure that what we're doing is in line with the ways that God would want us to live and who God would want us to be and expressing his character, expressing his heart and expressing his ways. But he misdirected that passion and he committed that murder. I love the way that scripture doesn't just paper over the cracks, paper over the truth of the stories, the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs, the, the bad things about its heroes. And Moses, the, the, the writers could have chosen to just overlook this detail. But we get to see in full detail the failure, the, the, the weakness, the foolishness of this hero of faith. And for fear of his life, because he, he thought he'd hidden this sin, this wrongdoing, he thought he'd hidden it away by burying it in the sand, literally. But it had become known. However, we don't know how it had become known, but even... Moses' own people, the Hebrews. And of course, they're looking at him because he's grown up in Pharaoh's palace and he's dressed all posh. And, and they're saying, well, who, who are you suddenly now to start telling us what to do? 
But, but that's not what makes him fear for his life. What makes him afraid is that people know that he's committed this crime. And so he runs away and he, fear, and he flees. And amazingly, we still see that God is at work in his life. Because even though he runs away and he flees and he's running away, it unlocks the journey and the rest of his life. Because he went away and uh, he, he ended up in a place called Midian and he got married. And we, the next story that we're going to look at, um, he's tending uh, the sheep of his father-in-law. And he, he has an amazing and powerful transformational encounter with God. We might be familiar with this story. Moses and the burning bush, Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, in the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire... It did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush bush does not burn up. Now for you and me, if we were walking through Penglice Woods, if we saw a bush burning, we would be very surprised because bushes don't just automatically, spontaneously combust, correct? Yeah? You can, you can, yep, great. Oh, we're there, good. However, in Moses' time, seeing a bush burning was probably not that unusual. Bushes burnt because they're in the desert, they're in dry, arid, difficult uh, lands, and bushes burnt. What was remarkable in this scenario to Moses, the thing that made him say, I'm going to go and have a look at this, was the fact that the bush wasn't burning up. It wasn't disintegrating. It wasn't turning to ashes. The bush continued to burn. This encounter for Moses happened in the everyday journey of his life. Sometimes we, uh, and there are special encounters that happen at special times. And uh, if we go to a conference or uh, if we go up a mountain or if we uh, seek the Lord in a special time and a place. But this history Creation, history of humankind shaping encounter with God happened while Moses was going about his everyday life. He was just doing his thing. And I want you to be ready for God to meet with you in your everyday life. I want us to be open and and have our ears and our hearts and our eyes open. And sometimes we think that God will only speak to us like a great sound from heaven but God spoke to Moses here because something he saw with his eyes the bush wasn't burning up and that was what drew his attention be ready to encounter God in your everyday life he is present in your world wherever it is that you work wherever it is that you study wherever it is that you live whatever it is that you do with your time God is there amen So let's be ready to hear from him. Let's be ready to encounter him. So this story in Exodus 3, when uh, Moses is is 
has this encounter with the burning bush, goes on, and it becomes clear that it's God who's speaking or an angel of the Lord. And Moses is told to take off his sandals because the place where he was standing was holy ground. And then uh, a little bit further down in uh, verse 9, it says this. And now the cry of the Israelites, this is God speaking, has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And this is the moment that shapes the rest of Moses' life. It's like the before and after story for Moses. But notice that God, first of all, gives Moses a revelation of who he himself, the Lord, is before giving him his instruction. When God is going to ask us to do something for him, we need to know that it's him who's speaking. We need to know who it is that is leading us and giving us the strength and the inspiration and the instruction to do what he wants us to do. And we see it many times in scripture. God reveals himself and then he reveals his plan and his promise. I love at the beginning of the book of Revelation when John uh, has on the island of Patmos and he has this um, vision or this, this encounter with the risen Jesus Christ bright shining hair white like wool with a sash around his chest and 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 he has that encounter and what he does is he falls down and he worships because that's the right thing to do when we realize and we see who Jesus is and then Jesus puts his hand upon him and lifts him and then begins to give him the instruction I'm the Alpha and the Omega now do this and God wants us to know him to know his presence, to know who he is, to understand his glory and his might and his goodness and his holiness and his mercy and his grace and his love and all the other fantastic attributes of his character that we can only really understand when we spend time and when we get to know and when we encounter him. Let me see Moses' response. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. We see here the first uh, inkling, the first understanding that Moses suffered from self-doubt. But he overcomes, and he learns to succeed Not by trusting in himself, but by not doubting in God. Moses had to go through many fears and failings in the rest of his journey as he outworked the instruction that God had given him to set the people free. And later on, Exodus 4.10, he still described himself as being slow of speech and of tongue. He had his weaknesses. But God kept telling Moses to look to his strength rather than look to his own. He said, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now it looks really strange to us as we read that in, in the kind of English or whatever uh, language we would, we would. I am who I am. Well, yes, yeah, so am I. <laughs> I'm Joel. Hi. We lost in translation for us is the sense of the eternal expression of what God was saying to Moses. I've always been who I am. I am who I am. I will always be who I am. 
I am the eternal one. And Moses was under, left in no doubt of the power and the might of God. And when we trust in God, rather than in ourselves, we will see amazing things happen. And it might not be, as I've said several times through this series, and today it's more appropriate than ever, it might not be the parting of the Red Sea. But God will do amazing things through us. Just touching somebody's life with the love of God, that is an amazing thing. Seeing God's power at work in us as we pray for people and see answers to prayer, that is an amazing thing. God has a plan and a purpose for all of us. And as we trust in him, as we look to his power rather than our weakness, we'll see him at work in our lives. Moses overcame his fears and he trusted God and he went to Pharaoh and he said, set my people free. Imagine returning to the courts of his youth. Moses had grown up there and then he'd fleed for his life. But imagine returning to that place. But this time you're not going in as the child of uh, Pharaoh's house. You're going in fighting for the freedom of the oppressed Hebrew people. The question that this made me think about was, who will I fight for? Who am I willing to fight for? Who am I willing to go up against the enemy in prayer or to go uh, and practically do something physical in the world? Who, who am I willing to go and stand on behalf of and say, set my people free? I was greatly challenged as I reflected on that. Who do we need to fight Well, we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of this dark age. And so our weapons are prayer, our weapons are love, our weapons are mercy. Walking in those things and seeing them overcome the darkness. But who are we willing to fight for? Will we fight for our families? Will we intercede? Will we seek God? And how, and, and, or are there people in the, in, in the physical world that we need to be standing on behalf of, standing alongside? Are there people who are oppressed? Are there people who are in slavery? Are there people who are being abused in the world that we need to be more of a voice for, that we need to be able to stand up for more? Let's rise to that challenge. Next week we'll be hearing from... Uh, Ruth Martin, who's North Wales representative for Open Doors, who are uh, advocating and at work all the time for the persecuted church, those who are across the world who are being killed or tortured or um, uh, um, oppressed for their belief and their faith in Jesus Christ. How can we stand alongside these people and say, let my people go? Moses learned to obey the Lord. Time and again, he went back to Pharaoh and the Lord gave them opportunity to let the people leave. The plagues brought great suffering to Egypt. It's a very difficult passage to read and understand in light of what we know about God revealed to us in Christ. Those plagues brought great suffering to Egypt, but Pharaoh's heart kept hardening. We need to keep soft hearts. Life is tough, isn't it? Life, life is tough. Anyone else? Life is tough? Life can be difficult. And it's okay, I think, to have a thick skin. To be able to learn to deal with some of the challenges and the difficulties of life. 
But as we develop that thick skin, what we need to make sure we don't do is let our heart get hardened as well. So yes, you can have a thick skin, whatever that means, (laughs) however real or unreal that is. But what you must seek to maintain is a soft heart. God, would you keep my heart soft? A heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. So, and I know we're going through this very, we're taking snapshots of this journey as we go, but Moses led the people of God from captivity into freedom. You know the story from Exodus 14. The Israelites, eventually after all the plagues have taken place, Pharaoh eventually, finally relents and allows the people to go free. Then we have the Passover that God has instructed and uh, uh, the Israelite children are spared the final plague, the death of the firstborn. And they pack their stuff and they take flight from Egypt. And it says that they, uh, again, Pharaoh had a change of heart, even after all of that. And the, the the, the Egyptians begin to pursue them again. And the Israelites, instead of going uh, the, the shorter way, they, they go the way that God is instructing them to go. And they find themselves in front of a sea. And in front of them is an unpassable territory. And behind them, the enemy is catching them up. And we find ourselves in situations like that sometimes in our lives where we feel trapped, we feel caught, we don't know which way to go. And in those times and in those moments, all I can say and all I can encourage us to do is to trust God and believe God and do what God says. Because God instructed Moses to hold out his staff and he gave them instructions about what to do and what to say. And it was as they carried out the instruction of God that the way before them opened up. And God did something that was not possible, impossible in any human strength so that the people could be set free. Verse 29, the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. There are different uh, accounts. I, I, I haven't done extensive research, but I've seen some of the sort of geological explorations that have found uh, Egyptian cartwheels underneath the sea in that region. And I've heard some of the evidence. I don't know about those things. But this documentation tells us. I've seen theories about how a wind could have arisen that would have caused this phenomena to take place. But I tell you what, even if that was the case, there's no coincidence in the timing. God delivered his people from captivity. And he set them free. God 
wants his people to be free. He wants you to be free this morning. He wants me to be free from the things that hold me. God wants his people to be free. That's the whole cause of Jesus Christ. To come and seek and save that which was lost. And to set us free. And if there is something or someone holding you captive today, then I want to say that God wants you to be set free in Jesus' name. We put his truth into practice in our lives. You shall know the truth. Who is Jesus Christ? And the truth shall set you free. On a practical level, as a church, we sometimes run a course called Freedom in Christ. It's a ministry that we invite you to engage with, to loose shackles and to walk in the freedom that God wants you to walk in. You can talk to John and Sharon uh, and find out uh, and, and just express your interest in getting involved in one of those courses when they happen. Something really important we need to say about Moses is that God entrusted um, Moses to give the commandments and the law that we have built around for millennia. Just to go very quickly, those Ten Commandments where uh, a lot of it is based from, you shall have no other gods before me. And I've, I've shortened these for the sake of time. You shall not make for yourself an image. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. The thing I want to draw out of this is, to note that Moses has to share the words of the people of God. You shall not commit murder. But what do we know about Moses? Moses had been a murderer. Of course, he'd had a turnaround. I'm sure he'd repented and moved on with his life. But how often does God redeem our biggest failures? Or our biggest weaknesses? And enable us to minister to others and to bring blessing and to bring truth into their lives. Moses had known firsthand the damage and the pain that that caused. And he is able still to give that instruction to the people. How does God want to use your journey, the good things and the bad things, from your journey, from your life, to bless other people? And alongside those commandments came instructions for the law, customs, uh, instructions for the Ark of the Covenant, instructions for the tabernacle. And these things were vital because the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle represented the presence of God. And God wanted his presence to be among his people. And Moses learned the importance and the value of God's presence. It made the difference. It what, it's what marked God's people out. And only when the presence was taken away or when the people went against the uh, instructions that God had given, did uh, cursing, curses and, and challenge and problems come. When they knew the presence of God and they honoured the presence of God, they knew blessing. God wanted to dwell with his people. And God has made a way for himself to dwell with you and me without any tabernacle, without any Ark of the Covenant, through his son Jesus Christ, he has made a way and he has sent a Holy Spirit so that he can dwell with us and in us and be with us now. And we should take that seriously. 
We should learn to value that. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? We are the tabernacle now. We are the place where God's presence dwells. Anyway, when the people saw that, well, this is while Moses was up the mountain receiving the commandments and receiving all the instructions from God. When the people saw that Moses was so long coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. Moses having this powerful encounter with God, hearing from him for the people. And what was the first instruction that God gave? Don't have any other gods before me. And before Moses had delivered that to them, they've already fallen at that first hurdle. And we see the pattern of humankind. We, we want to please God. We realize our need of him. And then we forget our need of him. And we walk in the other direction. And we walk into destruction. And then he turns us around. And he's merciful. And he's good. And he gives us life. And that pattern is set for the people of God from that time, uh, from before that, going forward. Aaron, their priest, and Moses' brother led them in bowing down to a golden calf. And as quick as we can be to point the finger at them and, and joke about the golden calf and the holy cow or whatever else, you know, we, we kind of disparagingly look at the Israelites in this story. How often do we do the same? Place something else in our lives before God. But how merciful is God? To continually allow us to come back to his presence and place him first and move on from the things we do wrong. Moses prioritized the presence and the voice of God. In Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. The Lord would speak to Moses. Face to face, as one speaks to a friend. This may be the most vital lesson we can learn from the life of Moses. Moses had learnt the value of hearing from God, of meeting with God. Joshua, his sidekick, the one he was raising up to take the leadership from him, had also, was also learning this lesson. And in fact, there's a passage where it says Moses would, would, would meet with God and then jo- Joshua wouldn't leave the tent. He was learning the value f- of his own encounter with God, his own opportunity to hear from God. And there is no substitute for meeting with God for ourselves. We can take any uh, devotional book or tool that we use. We can take any uh, model or idea from that are good models or ideas from other people or from other churches, but there is no substitute for us meeting with God for ourselves. Nobody else can do that for you. I can't do that for you. Your, your connect group leader can't do that for you. The worship team can't do that for you. There is no substitute for meeting with God for ourselves. And that's where we will be instructed. That's where we will build our faith, and that's where we'll be able to know what God is looking for us to do. We don't just need to do to tell people what God says. We need to teach people to hear God. There's a difference. But even after all these miracles, Moses was still human. We read in Numbers 20, the Lord said to Moses, take the staff 
speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. I'm just going to pause there and explain. There's a previous story where Moses had taken a staff and God had told him to strike the rock. And as he struck the rock, water poured out. So this time, God says to Moses, speak to the rock. Take the staff with you, but speak to the rock. And Moses raised his arm, and what did he do? He did what worked last time. He did what he was used to. He did what he was familiar with, what he was comfortable with. And he struck the rock twice with his staff. Now, God was merciful, and water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But there were consequences for Moses because he had disobeyed what God had told him to do. And this was the reason why he wasn't able to lead the people into the promised land. He'd set them free, but he was not going to, see the, he was not going to be the generation that took them into the promised land because he hadn't carried out that instruction. The same action that was obedient before was disobedient this time. Sometimes that can be true in our lives. Well, we've done it this way before and it worked. Or that we've done it this way before and that's... But if it's not what God is saying now, then it's not obedient this time. Moses did things his own way or the way that he was comfortable with rather than what God had spoken. And the consequences were bitter. That place literally became known as bitter. Bitter water, that's what they called it. But Moses' legacy was in the bigger picture. As I said, he made his mistakes, he made his good choices and his bad choices. But overall, his life was marked with faith and belief in what God was going to do. And through that, he was able to perform these miracles to set God's people free, to lead them through the waters into freedom. And ultimately, the story of Moses points us to Jesus. As we've looked at with all these characters, it points us to Jesus. The whole Bible points us to Jesus. Jesus is the eternal redemption for all of humankind. Moses was the great redeemer of the Hebrew people in that story, in that day, in that time. But Moses, uh, Jesus, has become the redemption and the, 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 the freedom for all of us for all time. Acts 26 says this, I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and as from as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Moses was the redeemer of his people, the Israelites, but he pointed towards the savior of the whole world. The gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ is for everybody. It's for you this morning, this truth of Jesus. The beginning of John in verse 45 of chapter one, it says, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Beginning as Jesus was ministering on earth, those who had the eyes to see and the heart to see received the revelation of who Jesus was. Do we have the eyes and the heart to see who the risen Jesus is today? Jesus identified how Moses was pointing to himself. In John 5, Jesus said this, If you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. This great Old Testament hero, and here Jesus sums up what it's all about. He wrote 
about me. Yeshua. Yeshua Jesus. And that's what it all points to. That's what everything points to. Moses, the great redeemer, was an ordinary man who was redeemed, called, and led by our extraordinary God. You and me can be the same today. We are redeemed. We are called. And we can be led by our extraordinary God. So I want to finish by explaining to you that God chooses you. Don't rule yourself out or others out because you've failed however significantly it may be. Do not let your limitations be bigger than the call that God has placed upon your life. And do not become impatient and try and do things your own way. Do know that God is your redeemer. Do let God lead you in bringing his redemption to others. And do seek to know the Lord face to face. Amen. I want to just pray before we finish. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being so patient and bearing with me this morning. There was a lot to get through there. (laughs) You listened really well. First, people I want to pray for, let's just have our eyes closed. First people I want to pray for is anybody who wants to receive redemption today. They're realizing that Jesus has afforded them the opportunity to be redeemed, to set them free. I'm going to just lead us in a prayer and I'm going to invite everybody to say it out loud. But if it is for you the first time you'll ever have prayed this and you really mean it and you really want to begin following Jesus as a result, then we would love to hear from you afterwards to be able to speak to whoever brought you or to one of the leadership team because we would like to help you walk that, begin that journey of walking with, with Jesus. Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I confess that I have sinned. That I've fallen short of your ways. But I thank you that Jesus died upon a cross having lived a perfect life to take the sacrifice for my sin. Pay the price for me. And in response to that act of love, I want to lay down my life to follow you. I want to walk with you for the rest of my days and be welcomed into that secure eternity, the life everlasting that you offer. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good for all of us to be reminded of what it means to 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 begin that journey of following Jesus. But if for you that was the first time you've prayed that and you meant it, please talk to someone so we can help you in that journey. Next group, if you need to know today that God is with you, Father, I just ask now that you bring us that assurance of your presence. I know there are people tuning in or sitting here that need to know you're with them. Lord, please, in Jesus' name, reveal your presence to us. 
And Lord, finally, we all join together to pray that your redemptive plans would be at work in Aberystwyth. Just as you redeemed your people, would you redeem people in Aberystwyth today? Would you redeem people in this world? Call them out of darkness into light, out of captivity into freedom, out of oppression into life in all of its fullness. We pray all this because you are good and because we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to meet together today. Amen.